Hi, I'm Brianne Bennis, and this is No End in Sight, a podcast about life with chronic illness. Before we get started, I want to ask you for a huge but simple favor if you're listening to this in real time, or at least in July 2019. I mentioned this a few weeks ago, but I've been nominated for a WeGo Health Award, and your super quick endorsement could help me get these stories in front of more people who need to hear them. Here's what you need to do. Just open up your phone or your laptop and head to tiny.cc slash help N-E-I-S. And wait, (laughs) help is all small and N-E-I-S is all tall. So tiny.cc slash lowercase help uppercase N-E-I-S, no spaces or dashes or anything. Um, That should take you to my nominee profile. And then underneath my photo, there's a little orange button that says endorse Brianne. Click that button. They'll ask you for your name and your email, but you can absolutely unsubscribe immediately from anything that they send you. And that's it. Thank you. Today, I'm talking to Dr. Mari McPherson, who is a PhD, not an MD, about myalgic encephalomyelitis, POTS, and finding peace inside chronic illness. Among other things, we ended up talking about gardening and universal basic income and having your period while chronically ill. Before we start, here's my disclaimer. This podcast is not intended as a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Make sure you talk to your practitioner about any questions or symptoms. I like to start by asking people, how was your health as a kid? Um, it was all right at the time. Um, I was always really prone to accidents like, you know, breaking my thumb and things like that. But nothing. But that's nothing to do with, with how I'm now, except um, I've always been really clumsy. And in retrospect, I think that's related to um, what I've got now. I was always terrible at sports. And people just told me I was lazy, which I wasn't. Um, it's just that my heart rate goes nuts every time I move. So yeah. of course I'm bad at sports. Um, and I've always been very, very snoozy as a kid. So I always slept eight, 10 hours a night, always have since I was really little. Um, that's just how it was. My mom slept a lot and I've always had headaches, and migraines and things like that, um, which were all just seen as sort of isolated things at the time. No one put the dots together. Um, so looking back now, I think I have whatever I have now. I have had that for a really, really long time. Um, mm-hmm. Just not as severe and not as kind of limiting as it was yeah. then. Yeah, I feel that way too. I look back on my childhood and I'm like, oh, those are some weird isolated incidents mm-hmm. that other kids were not experiencing, but nobody had any reason to connect. It's No, and like before the advent of, of the internet, and I'm, I'm 36, so we, we had the internet from when I was 16, maybe, that kind of age. Mm-hmm. But, you know, social media wasn't around and stuff. So you didn't really compare yourself to other people in that way. How, yeah. how, how would you know how much other people slept or yeah. what happened or how often you got sick or something like that? So I yeah. think that's made it a lot easier to sort of have those conversations and put that kind of stuff in, in context now. Mm-hmm. Totally. And I did back then, but. Yeah, the internet is such an interesting component of how people start to piece things together. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, Okay, so miscellaneous isolated things were happening. Um, And then for you, was there a kind of sudden turning point or did things continue gradually until you started to think, hey, maybe this isn't normal, whatever that means? 
Yeah, no, normal's a good one, isn't it? Because you, your normal is everyone else's fuck at the emergency room, like right now, because you know you're falling over. Yeah. Um, so I I was an academic before I got ill. Um, so I went straight from school to undergrad to grad school. Um, got a job straight out of grad school. Um, I did my master's and PhD in Scotland on Scottish literature and Scottish history. Um, and got a job up in the Highlands, close to the area I was researching. So it was absolutely wonderful. Um, at a very new university that uh, that's a federal university. It's the only university up here, um, and it's made up of loads of individual further education colleges. So you can start at 14 and leave with a PhD. Okay. Um, there's nothing quite like this in other systems. So it's kind of a community college, kind of a university, um, kind of a place where you go to finish school, um, a trade school. It really is a like a, a jack of all trades, right? Um, so I got here, got that job. And of course, it's stressful when you're starting a new job in a completely different environment. Um, very, very heavy teaching load. So you had the, the teaching load of a school teacher, but at university level. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it, be- it just didn't work out at all. It was completely nuts. Um, small departments, um, and it grew rapidly in the, in the time I was there. So over the, over the course of five years, um, I went from teaching a couple of high school level English classes to essentially running the literature department at the university and sitting on every committee and doing lots of public stuff and, and doing it all, but I was loving it. It was absolutely wonderful. And we were shaping like the institution and it was absolutely great. Um, but I got these, what we thought were increasingly bad migraines. Mm-hmm. So um, I would sometimes get headaches, but it was more sort of aura things and feeling dizzy and not being able to concentrate, and feeling really vomity, all of those kind of things that went with it really um constantly caught lots of colds and things but they moved us to big open plan offices with 50 people in them so of course you get sick like it's you know um so that got worse and worse and it went from kind of um once a month to once a week to kind of every day so i have a very clear memory of summer of 2016 um we'd had quite a stressful time at home because we'd had a friend living with us for a while and there was just sort of upheaval going on work was really really stressful um trying to to write and run things and teach and all the rest of that um lots of pets and um and it was the first day back after summer holidays um like school teachers we got the summer off and then it was a day back so it was always a shock to the system i bet um but yeah it really was but at the end of the day uh, i was so overwhelmed I got this massive migraine and ended up passing out on a friend's floor not able to drive home okay and we live about 45 minutes to an hour from from work and it's Mm. a long country road it's really beautiful but it's a long long drive on your own right Mm -hmm. um so kind of passing out on the floor and waiting for my husband to pick me up you know an hour away and stuff so that was that was not a good start to, to, to coming back yeah and it's sort of that kind of stuff happened increasingly more often and recovering from these incidents took more time. So each time it would take me slightly longer um, to be able to think again and not be brain fogged and all, all the rest and sort of to be able to go back to work. But because there were very few staff, there was no one else really to do the work I was doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously colleagues could step in and stuff, but you know, everyone had like this massive workload. So it's not like you could just pass on bits and pieces to whoever was coming in after you. So right. there's it's all like that pressure of... Your to-do list just gets longer if you take yeah, time off. Exactly. It doesn't like stay. It, it doesn't hold that, for you. That's right. It's not like a retail job where if you're not there, someone else does it. Yeah. Like, it doesn't go away. Um, so I went to see my, my GP, and um, 
over here, um, so I live, I live up in the Highlands, about 45 minutes north of Inverness, uh, small communities, rural, um, which means we don't have some of the same problems as they get in other parts of the country um, because there aren't that many people. So you get to see your GP really quickly. If you phone up in the morning, you tend to get an appointment that day. All that kind of stuff is quite quickly. Hospital stuff is a whole other matter because that's one and that, that's kind of it. Yeah. Um, but got to see the GBs quite quickly. Um, but because I hadn't really been ill enough at that point to see the same GP all the time, I saw different ones every time. Mm. So you, you kind of spend time telling your story again and um, they all try different things. And anyway, so over the, the next few months, so from like August to maybe February 2016, 2017, right, those few months, mm -hmm. um, I tried loads of different types of migraine medication and things like amitriptyline, I think, cetrin, those sort of things as well at the same time. And none of them did anything other than made me really sleepy and made it very, very hard to concentrate. And it just didn't get any, didn't so get any better. No yeah. relief plus frustrating side effects. Yeah, just making it worse. But, you know, that it seemed like the obvious thing to try at the time because it all looked and presented like migraine-y mm -hmm. stuff. But it didn't, didn't help. Right. So um, it got worse and worse and sort of happened more and more frequently. And at the time, um, my husband, who also works for the university, he's one of the historians, um, um, but he works in a different part of it. Um, he ended up coming to Inverness quite a lot as well because we had some shared postgrad students to supervise and stuff like that. So we were in meetings together quite a lot at the time. And there was one day in May 2017, we just supervised a student. It was a wonderful thing, um, so much fun, like the thing that really gets you going. And afterwards, um, I, I kind of forgot all words. I couldn't get anything out anymore. I just had to point at things. And that was new and that was scary. And we hadn't had that before. Mm -hmm. So luckily he was there with me. Yeah. And we just sort of packed up and went home. And the, the sort of speaking kind of returned. But on the way home, um, we're coming up to this junction near where we live. And there's lots of big brown tourist signs that point to all the lovely local things around here. And I couldn't read the sign. Mm -hmm. I knew what it said. Mm -hmm. But I couldn't actually read it. Like processing uh, that information. At all. Like the letters just made no sense at all. Um, and for me, reading has always been the key part of my identity. I've always yeah. done books. Books is what I do, you know. Yeah, literature. Um, yeah, that's what you do. Like books are your friends, you know. <laughs> um, so I couldn't read that. And I couldn't really type. Like I could physically type, but I couldn't really get the words out. And that stayed for a couple of days. And that that was it. That's I thought, I, I this can't go on. Like yeah. I can't keep it. So I went to the GPs and I was signed off for a month initially. And I never went back. Okay. It never got, that, that, that bit got better. Mm -hmm. But overall, I never got well enough to go back to work. Right. So there, there was, it, so it was both gradual and sudden, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds it like it. Of, Things that you kept forcing yourself through and forcing yourself through until you got to a point where it sounds like like that's aphasia, the not able to talk or retrieve words. Plus, I guess I maybe you have a technical name, but whatever the visual processing issue would be for not being able to kind of make letters yeah. make sense. Certainly yeah. cognitive issues, right? To totally cognitive issues. Um, and each of the symptoms sort of went away and got back to my new normal mm -hmm. um but um then fatigue kicked in and everything else I just slept forever and yeah and then we spent I suppose 18 months going from doctor to doctor and um, from appointment to appointment um to rule everything else out and got left with ME because there's nothing else really that they think it is right um 
they're very good up here uh, at checking for Lyme and things like that because it's the highlands and you know that kind of stuff is around um but we gradually ruled out all of those kind of other mm-hmm. things yeah um until we, we sort of ended up with emmy um which as i i think i think you know in the uk we're still stuck with cbt and get so yeah luckily i've been reading up on that at that point and just told them to kind of stuff it when they try to <laughs> move me into that and because um because we have access to all the the university's database shames have started reading loads of actual research on this and he turns up to all appointments with a massive folder of, of printouts yeah just to like kind of scare them a bit and... discrediting the pace trial and stuff like yeah, that all, yeah all, all of that nonsense so um yeah so we had that and then um i've since had a tilt table test as well and we've identified pots um but because we're also um in the process of maybe trying to conceive i can't take any of the drugs that make that better oh yeah so but that's kind of a, a temporary thing not being able to do that um mm-hmm. so the last i don't know two, two, two years or something have all been about changing my life completely and figuring out how to make things less bad and how to feel less awful yeah and i'm kind of um one of the reasons why i've, I've only just reached out to you is because i only feel like i'm at that level now i know it's really unpredictable and it could go tits up tomorrow but i for the last two or three months i feel like i have a, a decent plateau mm-hmm. it's still like spending 22 hours in bed most of the time mostly lying down flat um i'm talking to you from bed yeah it's kind of this place um but i have loads of pillows and this really delightful frog hot water bottle oh which is just the right shape to prop me up as well <laughs> um, so it's all of these kind of things um yeah but I'm, at the moment, I'm able to tolerate uh, light quite well, so I can have the curtains open and see our garden, and that's that's quite nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you tell other people about that, they're like, "You spent that much time lying down?" Yeah. And I'm like, I only spend that much time lying down. Like, I have time to leave leave the house now. Occasionally, yeah. I can go to the garden. Yeah. So for me, it's been all about self management and figuring out how to do things differently and how to be a different person. Yeah. Like, yeah. And so, gosh, so Emmy is hard because, of course, I mean, of course it's hard, but I mean, I mean, medically <laughs> for a second. I, mean, I was going to say, like, Emmy is hard because it's ex- right now it's exclusively a clinical diagnosis. And right now, while we're talking, this won't come out for a few months. So people can look back or maybe new things will happen. But right now, while we're talking, I know the Stanford Clinic just released the new, um, new information about a blood test that they mm. want to start, I guess, standardize, yeah. which I feel like they've yeah. been working on for a while. And I also yeah. feel like yeah. it will end up eliminating a lot of people who are currently yes. living with a clinical diagnosis. It, like, yeah. I think it will just segment people into people who have that pathology and people who yeah. don't but are sick. It's quite a worrying prospect in some ways, isn't it? What mm-hmm. if you're what if you're not one of the chosen ones? Yeah. If, if you're one of the chosen ones, you're still ill and yeah yes you have a piece of paper that says you have that yeah um but if you're not then we're back to the whole you're just you're just a they're their little lady you're just faking it you know yeah um so in some ways that a test might actually make that perception worse yeah Um, it's really hard to know where this is going to go and also because it's um it's it's an american thing the um the pace lot have all been out in force this week in the papers discrediting it really Uh, 
it's really hard to know at what point this would come over to the UK at all mm-hmm. because of the way our healthcare system is run. Um, you can go private if you happen to be well off enough to do yeah, that. If you can but afford it. Never, yeah, that would never be an option for, for me in our circumstances. Mm-hmm. So at what point that would even trickle down to us is, is another matter, you know? Yeah. And what so, it will um, tell us about treatment because it's not really there yet. It's like something about how cells communicate I think I think that's what it is and from that something like activity makes cells stressed well we kind of know that because yeah that's how we feel that's the um, defining trait (laughs) that's right yeah it's it's so it's I feel like it's both a a wonderful thing Mm -hmm. um but also in some ways quite a, a difficult thing um to to kind of deal with over the next few months, years, whatever. Yeah, however this one plays out. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what comes out of that. Yeah, yeah. I'm certainly curious, but also skeptical, maybe, of how yeah. it will impact yeah. the community. Um, okay, so that was about, you said, like 18 months to two years ago that you got the diagnosis. And so since diagnosis, aside from fighting recommendations for cognitive behavioral (laughs) therapy and graded exercise therapy. Um, What has that looked like? So what kind of experiments have you done since or what, what hasn't worked and then what has, you know, and how are doctors in this process? All the questions. All the questions. Um, I'll try and remember all of them. It's okay. I can repeat Squirrel brain is one of those things. Yeah. Um, So um, diagnosis is one thing. So the POTS diagnosis was fairly easy to get. Mm -hmm. Um, We got referral to the cardiologist because I turned up with tons of data. Mm -hmm. Um, I got a um, a heart rate monitor and it measured for ages. And I came in with loads and loads and loads of printouts um, or, you know, data I take. And so eventually they referred me. And the guy was really nice and um, actually said that he asked me, what do you think you have? And I said, I think I have this. And he says, I think you do too. Let's do the test. Here you go. Yeah. Um, yes, you easy. have this. Here's the drugs you can take. Oh, wait, you can't. Yeah. So at least that was a really straightforward, quick process. And I think it was only two or three weeks between the cardiologist appointment and the table test, which mm-hmm. was unexpectedly fast. Yeah. Know, for here, that's, that's really, really miraculous. The other side of things, um, I saw the neurologist um, in September 2017. Um, very nice, and he was a migraine specialist, so it made perfect sense to send me to him um, at the big hospital in Inverness. And um, he ordered an MRI really quickly, which was nice. And I, I read online that that's quite an unusual thing for folks to get actually presenting with these kind of things, because but because he thought it was some kind of brainy mm-hmm. thing, <laughs> which it could have been, you know. Yeah. Um, we got that quite quickly, and it didn't show anything. We think. But then I've been looking at some folks online, reinterpreting their results differently. But that's not really an option where we are and how we are. Mm-hmm. Um, and he referred me to a rheumatologist for loads of widespread pain in the usual way. Mm-hmm. It's really unpredictable pain. So one day it's all over, one day it's nowhere, one day it's my elbow, one day it's just random muscle, muscle stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, what kind of pain... This is also a good question. Do you find, or is it everything? There's like joint pain, muscle pain, skin pain, nerve pain. Do you have, even if uh, the, say, geography in your body changes, do yeah. you have a typical style of pain that happens? 
Um, I'll come back back to that in a second okay. if that's right. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm 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 building up towards the how things are and what's going on. Okay. If, if that's okay. Yeah, so yeah. Um, we so got we got rheumatologist. the rheumatologist and um, he read my referral my chart out to him and said, "Why are you here?" And the referral clearly said, um, check for these lupin, uh, lupus things and check for these things. Yeah. So it wasn't even like me just saying, please see me. It was the other, his colleague had said, check over these things. Yeah. Um, and he said, yeah, um, I don't believe in fibromyalgia and um, chronic fatigue syndrome. Um, cool. And then this long rant about how he doesn't believe in it. That's helpful. Yeah. And then he kind of prodded my wrists a bit and said, yeah you probably have chronic fatigue and you know that's all I'm going to put on your chart. Great. And it, he was very kind of, like you have this real weird vendetta and it, it's just the weirdest experience um, for younger, but there's no point kind of fighting with him at the time and I was really right. out of it anyway. Seamus just got really angry, but like there's no point doing it. Um, but this this chronic fatigue has stayed with me and it because all your records stay together wherever you go so people come mm. back to them. So you're a bit tired. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, so I and I so I asked him about pain relief and stuff because I know there are pain clinics and things like that. And he said, "Yeah, you could take some ibuprofen." Right. You're like, I never um, thought of that. Thank I never you. Thought of that. It's all. I'm not just taking you know eighteen a day or something. Yeah, that's um, not the first thing that you try yeah, when you have weird pain or inflammation. Yeah. So he was, but he was by far the worst one we've had. Um, mm-hmm. So everyone else has been very, very nice, but unable to do anything, Right. which I've kind of come to terms with, because what are they going to do? You know, there's nothing yeah. really yeah. by the looks of it and the sounds of it. Um, so he's kind of the worst man. Now I make a point of telling everyone I meet, like all the other doctors about this terrible man, the, um, <laughs> Dr. Harvey and Dingwall. He was not great. <laughs> yeah. You're like, please don't do this to me. Yeah. But because it's a Highlands and it's quite small, there just aren't that many specialists around. Um, right. And they're... Other specialists would be in like Aberdeen or Edinburgh and Glasgow, but it, it's a it's a four hour journey, and I can't do that. That's mm-hmm. just too too much to kind of seek out. Right, and they're not going to say anything different anyway. Right, um, so that's been part of that. So um, the what kind of pain do I get? What kind of symptoms? How does it present? Um, I feel, and this is going to sound a bit nuts, like my brain is this old fashioned telephone switchboard, right? loads of wire sticking out and it's operated by a really crazy squirrel <laughs> and the squirrel is drunk and doesn't know what it's doing yeah and because it feels like things are completely unrelated so some days doing this sort of thing um will have no repercussions at all other days it'll put me in bed for a week yeah um other days it'll make my knee hurt or give me a runny nose or whatever completely random thing you can yeah about. But switchboard is kind of the best analogy I've come up with mm-hmm. over over the years of how are you and what's going to happen. I have no idea what, what things do. So the pain is like that as well. It's totally random. At the moment, I'm all right. But then you get used to things, right? So my normal isn't other people's normal. Yeah. And you only really notice when it's gone that it was there in some ways. Yeah, so that's I- a huge huge part of it I think just that like absence is what makes you notice things but also sometimes you don't notice right away it's like you wake up and you're like oh my ankle doesn't hurt I don't think it's hurt for four days it used to hurt all the time like I didn't notice anything about that (laughs) 
Totally. And I'm like, I'm always sort of on the verge of being dizzy and always on the verge of being unbalanced. So it's only really days where that isn't the case that I, I feel something's wrong. Mm-hmm. And then I realize it's not wrong. It's actually, it's actually right. Yeah. So at the moment, I could probably sort of think very carefully about what hurts and I can find bits and pieces, but nothing's out of the ordinary for me. So I've sort of stopped mm-hmm. thinking about it, um, which tells me I'm in a fairly low pain area at the moment i had yeah. terrible toothache a week ago and i noticed that yeah so that was that was a different level of <laughs> whoa um so but i get i get all kinds of pains but randomly but i find that um my body goes through phases so i might have a month of where everything hurts or i might have a month where i'm particularly dizzy or a month of not being able to see properly and it's always sort of three weeks ish i don't know why um, so for a while, I had issues with not really being able to tolerate food. Um, anything cooked didn't go very well. So mm. I had smoothies for three weeks, and they were really they were lovely. And then you kind of had enough of that. So, yeah. but it kind of takes turns, right? And mm-hmm. um, it's hard to know when one ends and another one begins. And then um, if something else happens, you don't know if it's part of this or something else entirely. So the the weird pain in my face. I didn't realize it was toothache because there's just weird pain in my face and that happens. Yeah. So these kind of things, at what point do you go seek help? At what point, and who do you go to and what do you say to them? And mm-hmm. how do you make them realize that it's not just this and that if other people are presenting with this, they, they'd have gone to the ER already. But I think about that all the time, especially kind of when I do talk to people who early in their story or throughout their story, they're talking about going to the ER or going to urgent care for chronic pain. I'm like, oh man, this is such a, an individual thing. Of course, Mm. people's pain is different, but I'll be in the same thing occasionally. Usually my pain is really low grade. I don't need pain management, but occasionally things break through and you know, you're like very frustrated or you're yelling or whatever. And it's like, Mm. my husband will be like, okay, so when are we going to the emergency room? Like, where is this line? And I'll, I'm always like, yeah. what are they going to do? It's not an emergency that ER could help me with. And he's like, okay, but how do we know that? Like, what's the yeah. difference between this thing that we can't explain, but we think is relatively benign and like, well, like a toothache, but it could be something else, right? Like, yes, if it's somewhere exactly. else in your body, like, when do we know if it's, even an infection. I had an infection in my nose for like six months that I just thought was a weird new reaction. <laughs> That's funny and not funny. Yeah, yeah, like, totally. Like as... it was. Oh dear. It was silly, and it yeah. like was resolved with bacitracin, which is um over-the-counter antibiotic ointment. And I'm not opposed. I'm like I do a lot of natural stuff. I'm not opposed to antibiotics yeah. at all. But I was just like, oh well, this is how my body does this now. <laughs> like. No, not this time. This was solvable. <laughs> um, so you, you were asking earlier about like what I've tried and yeah, what hasn't yeah. happened. Um, so um, one of the things that was a big issue early on was sleep management. Mm. And either sleeping all the time or not at all. Yep. And I'd always been someone who slept nine to nine happily every day of the week, yeah. if, if you let me. I've always napped and that kind of stuff. And it's always been fun. And I always had sort of one night a year where I couldn't sleep, right? <laughs> um, so that turned into either sleeping 18 hours a day or getting no sleep at all. So we tried amitriptyline and sertraline, um, which kind of didn't do anything. But because you have to stay on them for a while to see if they might do something, and there didn't seem to be any side effects, 
um, I stayed on them for a while. And then eventually I thought I'd had enough and I just stopped taking them, which I know is not what you're supposed to do, but I can be asked. And I had a week of feeling really rotten and all the brain fog lifted. Yeah. So now I feel much more with it. I don't feel as with it as like my former self was. I don't think quickly. I can't really read more than a paragraph because um, I can't concentrate long enough. I, I forget who's who and what they're there and what they're doing. Mm -hmm. um, but I can think and I can follow knitting patterns and I can watch the odd bit of television, that kind of stuff. Um, so it turns out that was a, a side effect from the drugs. But because brain fog is such a pronounced thing with this sort of thing, um, it hadn't occurred to me that it might have been. If that right. makes sense. So yeah. That's sort of a weird roundabout thing. Yeah. Um, and then... Um, in terms of drugs, um, that that's kind of it. We kind of, there wasn't really anything. Nothing was, no symptom was bad enough in and of itself to need anything. Yeah. Um, I got some, um, some anti dizziness things, so I take them when things are really bad. But um, learning when to stop and sit down kind of solved that mostly. So I don't mm -hmm. tend to keep now and, and stuff like that. Um. Uh, our diets changed, but largely because we're sort of increasingly vegan leaning rather than because of mm -hmm. it having anything. The only thing that's really made a difference is eating lots of salt. So putting salt into pretty much everything helps the heart rate stuff. Right. And um, I, I never thought it did, but it really does. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's a blood volume thing. I guess that's yeah. like, right. That's why they recommend yeah. Gatorade or something. Although mm -hmm. Gatorade has lots of sugar, which some people yeah. have problems with. Like, But yes, yeah. electrolytes in general, salt. Yeah, so we're just chucking salt into pretty much everything we eat, and, and that's fine. Um, and we're um, increasingly eating our own homegrown food, so um, we've got a big garden out there, and um, we always garden, but this year in particular, I've started growing tons and tons of veg. Um, everything's out. I've got three big beds at the moment and two polytunnels, and we're gradually building more and more. And I do that in, in tiny increments, so 10 yeah. minutes a day or something, like not a lot, but I'm able to do that this year. Um, so um, spring came early and we had a really good spring. So at the moment we're eating lettuce, radishes, spinach, um, rocket, onions, like onion green, that kind of stuff in the garden already. Um, yeah. So hopefully that will get more and more. Yeah, that sounds fueled and things like that. That sounds great. That's one of my that... future dreams to like <laughs> prioritize some energy for something like that because we have a big. Mm overgrown plot right now with nothing in it that is that wants vegetables and I did not want to yeah. take responsibility for them yet yeah same I've, I found ways of kind of 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 doing that with the lim limited energy I have but it's mm -hmm. taken years of kind of practice to get to this point so at some point off off camera we we'll, we'll chat about vegetables and yeah how, how to do that kind of stuff but yeah because it's, it's yeah, so it's, it's so really, good and it's like really it's a it's an intimidating commitment um not at all they just look after themselves <laughs> and if they're naughty you just eat them and yeah. that's really satisfying <laughs> well it's like um my husband is obsessed with uh succulents he like mm. I don't know where this came from because I when we first moved in together I had like three plants that I'd been completely neglecting and I was kind of in a like trough energy wise mm. and so they were all basically dead and he saved two of them and it like triggered some kind of plant nurturing instinct in him and now he comes home with succulents constantly I don't know where they're from but like I'm sitting at a table <laughs> beside a bunch of succulents I'm, they're everywhere and now he's trying to sprout avocado pits and uh, um, 
mm-hmm. we don't live in a climate where you could grow an avocado tree outside but now like there's seven on the windowsill in this room upstairs there's five like it's our house is uh, overgrown ridiculously as far as i know there's this one avocado tree in london that fruits it's oh. one of those evidence. um but I'm, I'm going to show you a picture because my pit has just Ooh. roots yes. in the kitchen. Those it's like so Mr. Bolex from that zombie program, the name <laughs> of which escapes me because my brain is just not. And but yeah. Um the other thing um I found to to make a difference, it's really stupid, is drinking tons of water. Mm-hmm. So um I got myself this really massive water bottle. It takes I think one point six liters. Mm-hmm. That's it's got big. it it's huge. Um, but the way it's built, it's got this really big handle that you can fit your whole hand through. So I just have it on um, the bookcase next to my bed and I just sort of shove it across so I don't really have to hold it up yeah. and it can sort of rest on my on my chest while I'm drinking. Yeah. Um, so that works really, really well and it doesn't take a lot of energy to kind of lift it and do it. So I drink at least three of those a day. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's really so good. It's almost like five liters or something. And if I drink less, I'm really sluggish. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm always, always, always sipping water. Yeah. And that sounds so obvious, but it took me a long time to get there. And yeah. I think, hang on, try that just in case, you know. Yeah. And, and it's hard for a bunch of reasons. I mean, like you say, because you're kind of talking about the weight and energy of actually just drinking, mm-hmm. but it's like. Getting yeah. water takes energy and going yes. to the bathroom a lot takes energy. Yeah. All of these super small things that you don't think about when you're healthy because they take yes. under a minute and they're like yeah. not intensive, but it changes. That's right. Yeah, I got I got this massive bottle so I wouldn't have to get up during the day. So my my worst periods, I was literally in bed all day, curtains closed, really just staring into space or sleeping because I couldn't do anything. Um, so when Seamus went to work, he'd fill it before he went to work and then fill it when he came back. Cause I really couldn't, mm-hmm. couldn't get up. So now I'm very grateful to be able to do that kind of thing fairly easily. Yeah. Um, but I still, when he's around, I still ask him to do it to conserve energy. So yeah. I'm, I'm getting better at asking people to do stuff, but it's really hard and I don't like it. Yes. I think, I mean, I relate to that strongly and it's also like, Something that I feel like I want to start talking about more with people is the relationship dynamics of it. Mm-hmm. When yeah. it's like, I've, I, gosh, last week, maybe there was a day where I just wasn't, I was in bed and I wasn't really mm-hmm. up for much. And so I had asked my husband to do something for me. And it was like, I'm tired of asking you to do things for me. You know, we had a really intensive period two years ago where I really, it was, like you're describing, like he was bringing me everything and probably helping yeah. me walk to the bathroom mm-hmm. when I needed to walk to the bathroom. And it's like, when I'm this visibly and obviously struggling, mm-hmm. it seems obvious. Like it's obvious to him that he wants to help. And it's obvious to me that I really can't do it by myself. And then there's this in-between state where some days for me right now, like I make my own coffee for breakfast and I make my own smoothie for lunch and we make dinner together. And mm-hmm. those days I'm like, I am a normal participant in this marriage. Like anybody observing this marriage would think that we have an equal dynamic. And that is satisfying, which like, okay, that's also internalized ableism. And I can break that apart on my own time. But then some days when it's like, okay, I can get up and I can walk to the bathroom and that feels okay. Or I can walk to the kitchen, but like, I would rather someone do this for me because I think 
Like I'm going to run out of spoons. I'm not yet, mm. but I, I can tell that I'm going to. And on those days, it's like, yeah, this isn't what either of us signed up for. And yeah, yeah. And it's just hard. That's all I have to say yeah. about it. Yes. No, I, I, I totally, I totally agree with all of this. And, um, yeah, um, I've totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> That's okay. Sorry. Um, yeah. So um, Seamus does all the housework. He does everything. He does all the chores. He walks the dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, does all the cooking, cleaning. Um, I do the cooking. I help with the cooking when I can. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd rather kind of talk to him while we eat than chop yeah. vegetables and pass out. Like you know. So we yeah. sort of come in the range in there. Um, and we talk about this quite a lot. This sort of, you know, how 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 things are and does he feel like he's sort of only my care and things like that and I, I don't think he does he's a, he's a really good one. um but I do and I and I sort of talk about how how I support him in ways that just seem totally normal to me but are really welcome welcome support and it's things like um, I'm sometimes able to sort out some of our admin and some of our I can't really use the phone very well mm-hmm. um but I can do things online or um sort of organize our social life mm-hmm. you know like the two people we see but you know what i mean yeah um so i i do those sort of emotional labor things i check in with his folks on text and all these kind of things mm-hmm. um, and um he's uh taking over writing the book that i wasn't able to finish the academic book um so chatting about that together it's in a different area from what he has been doing until now but it's an area he's moving into anyway so it's actually quite a nice kind of kind of thing um but a lot of the kind of chatting about that and um imagineering things are quite I, i'm sort of i feel like i'm pulling my weight for that so, yeah um, recently um like i i I really enjoy setting things up like blogs or planning things, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been doing that kind of stuff, things I can do lying down now mm-hmm. that I have a bit of brain. I'm planning the garden, doing all the seedlings, letting him do the, the heavier stuff. But um, doing that, and um, the garden's really important because it makes me feel like I'm contributing. Like I'm physically doing something um, that means we don't have to go and buy food. And mm-hmm. that's a really... That's a really nice thing. Um, I don't want it to turn into a job or a commitment or something where I have to be able to keep doing it. Yeah. Yeah. While it's working, that's really that's really nice. Like an obligation that overrides your ability to take care of yourself. That's right. So we're we're starting to plan kind of garden workshops and helping people grow their own and all that kind of stuff, but on a very kind of casual basis mm-hmm. but it's been a very nice kind of contributing thing and that's made me feel slightly better about yeah being useless in inverted commas which i know we're not but it's such right. a such an inherited narrative and particularly with with being in academia like it's academia isn't just a job you know it's your life right and it's very hard to let that go mm-hmm. and, and if you're with someone who does the same thing who gets that who's gone through the nuttiness of a phd you're um suddenly not doing anything is I think everyone feels useless when they're like that but there's there's something about academia that just gets you in that way yeah it's like a a vocation yeah yeah totally yeah and I think like I'm so struck by so many things you just said a while ago there was you might have seen it on Twitter I'm guessing you don't watch Dr. Phil I certainly don't but um Dr. Phil the 
notorious, we'll say, <laughs> television psychiatrist. I guess there was an episode a while ago where, and I didn't watch it, so I don't have a summary, but basically it was mm-hmm. a couple and one of them was disabled in some way. So disabled or chronically ill, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Phil told that couple that like 100 out of 100 relationships with a caretaking <laughs> element end in divorce. And... <laughs> It's such a load of bollocks, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Because what relationship doesn't have that? Yeah, and it, it made me you so know. mad for exactly that reason. Oh, and Jesus. I like that this is what you just highlighted, which is like, everybody requires care. It's ludicrous mm. to suggest that it's yeah. only when you're disabled or chronically ill, or both, however yes. you identify, like yeah, that yeah. that's the kind of caretaking that that is a burden, but yes. emotional labor and support and like all of the ways that everybody mm. needs care all the time don't count but suddenly and I feel this especially as a, like a gendered thing mm, and because a lot totally. of people I yes. talk to are women and a lot of people with ME and fibro are women I think it disproportionately affects women like women mm. are typically expected to do the housework mm. and blah 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 and blah 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 so I just think like okay if my husband were sick and I did all the laundry and all the dishes and all the cooking would anybody think that that was a burden <laughs> on me? Like, yeah. No, I don't think they would. I don't think anybody would be like, oh, poor Brienne. She's really taking care of Adam by cooking and cleaning and da 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 Like, it's so typical in so many relationships. But all of a sudden, when it's a male partner who's, like, taken on all of that stuff and who probably yeah. it's it's integrated into your life, like, it looks like a burden. Mm. And it's hard to it's hard to unpack that for me in my mm. own head, let alone like talk about it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's, it's both about you yourself and how you view things and society at large and sort of the, the in-between and then, you know, the sort of unthinking comments from friends and families and acquaintances. And we've been, we've been really lucky with that. We've, we've had sort of, everyone's been supportive. Everyone's been good all, all the way through really. Um, but, fact that I feel lucky and the fact that I feel um you know grateful that they're nice it's like how fucked up is that you know? yeah <laughs> so, yeah sometimes when you kind of stop and sing you just think oh, what nuttiness is this so um I've never been into things like Dr. Phil and reality tv and all that like contemporary culture I've never been terribly good at um and living up here um um, it's very easy to disassociate from all of that. Um, so I choose to not spend my energy on that yeah. at all. And Seamus isn't into that either. So we're very lucky to kind of not really engage with yeah. a lot of that nonsense. Yeah. Um, I do Twitter. Um, I find Instagram a lot easier because I like looking at pretty pictures. Mm-hmm. And I'm usually able to take pretty pictures mm-hmm. like once a day or something. Yeah. Uh, but words are much, much harder um but twitter's okay because it's all like short snippets right and then, yeah. um the chronic illness disability community on twitter i find really useful like just meeting other people that are like this as well and mm-hmm. hearing what works for them and what little adjustments they've made to make their life slightly better um but on insta i actually moved away from that community because it was getting me down i thought it was um it was quite miserable and yes it's crap and yes i feel awful um, but I've always been a cheerful person. I've always been really upbeat and lots of people aren't. And I felt really bad for feeling like this. And I, I almost told myself off for being cheerful about all of this, which mm-hmm. is ridiculous, you know, yeah. 
Um, so I ended up going, spending time looking at interior stuff, and now the gardening community, and it's just joyful and happy, and mm-hmm. it's helped me um, develop an identity that isn't just sick person or yeah, whatever. like it's it's totally part of who I am, mm-hmm. but it's also not who I am if that makes sense. So yeah. that's been a, so that's I suppose a piece of advice I think is to um, allow yourself to have fun if you can yeah it's 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 okay to enjoy yourself sometimes in whichever way you and don't don't feel guilty for that you know yeah but i think often if you're having fun are you really sick yes you know that's yeah like it undermines of... your credibility or like well you must not need all of the self-care yeah. you're doing if yeah, you can yeah, be exactly. an upbeat person the rest of the time yes. Like, yeah, and if yeah. if you get time to scroll Instagram, you've got time to do the dishes, you know, <laughs> that, like that way of saying, which I know is nuts. But, yeah. Um, yeah. So be, being being consciously cheerful or consciously ranty or consciously mm-hmm. whatever emotion feels right mm-hmm. is quite a. I think it's a good process to engage in to do do it in a mindful kind of way, which sounds like a yoga quote of whatever that's you know I I totally agree because social media well I mean you were talking earlier about what it was like you know early internet before before this world and so in some ways it can be so helpful I also I love Twitter my whole Twitter is like chronic illness and disability and stuff but I think about it a lot too of like making sure that I myself don't get stuck in only talking about it one way like Mm. I think sometimes, especially now that I have the podcast, where I'm like, well, I want people to find the podcast, so I'm not going to make a separate mm-hmm. account, so my account is for that. But, like, yeah. it's really important to me that I don't kind of trick myself into trying to make an mm-hmm. illness brand. Like, yeah, I yeah. only talk about my symptoms, and it's like, I, I don't, I don't know. I feel like there are traps that you can get into of, like, trying mm-hmm. to prove to whoever, the people on the internet, yeah people in support groups, people wherever, like that you're sick and you belong there. It's like, Mm -hmm. no, part of this is that that's not Mm -hmm. true, is that I can get really enthusiastic and have energy, like you're saying, around this other stuff and get jazzed about it. And also that sometimes like weeks go by where my symptoms just aren't that remarkable. Like I don't need to talk about them all the time and I can just talk about other stuff and that's fine. And so consciously not getting into a habit of like, okay, I have to show up to social media mm. and like present illness, present illness, present illness. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I find that um, the thing that zaps my energy most of all, more than conversations, more than going places, more than doing things, is emotional highs and lows. Mm-hmm. So getting really angry about something, like doctors. Yeah. For or getting example. Really, really happy and excited about something like, you know, great things happening. Um, that makes me feel worse afterwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, without a doubt. Um, and social media really brings that out because half the time you get really angry at things you see. Yeah. And half the time you get really excited about things you see. Um, so I feel like I have to kind of limit that intake in some ways. And I, I try not to get too uh, too angry about politics and you know yeah kind of stuff because it's just I'm, I'm internally angry but if I get too outwardly angry about it 
it makes me feel so bad that I then can't get angry. And yeah. Then- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you get like a post, post-exertional post malaise from emotional highs and lows. Yeah, yeah you, you totally do. And for some reason, for me, that's worse than any other kind of mm-hmm. stuff I've, I've had. So with, with parts of the, the chronic illness disability activist lot, um, I feel like I have to be very, very careful to stay kind of on the edges of that Mm-hmm. And maybe read, but not really participate because it will suck me in and it will zap my energy. Mm-hmm. And that's really worth it for me. I don't yeah. Think. Well, so to... Looking at pretty pictures works better. Yeah. Because it's like, that's a really nice broccoli, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Makes me happy, but not like so excited that I can't eat that really happy broccoli. Yeah, that you've drained all your reserves. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I hear that. Um, so I wanted to ask, since you talked, have talked a bunch about gardening and social and Sorry. resting. No, no, no. Um, so I was wondering kind of what, what is your typical day like now? So you said you feel like you're in a, in a plateau at this point. Yeah, I feel like I'm in a, in a good place at the moment. So um, last summer, I had a fairly busy summer, um, which culminated in the Clan McPherson family gathering. Ooh. Um, which sounds as outlander fun as it is. It really is. <laughs> um, it's it's the big Macpherson gathering. It's about an hour and a half from where we live, and Macpherson from all over the world come up, um, and all all my in laws and um, in siblings and all, all all our family comes up. Yeah. Um, and we rent a place, and it's four days of tartan fun, mm-hmm. and it's ridiculous and wonderful. Yeah. Um, my PhD was on a Macpherson as well, so it's it's even more fun because yeah. it's it's work and and play. Yeah. Um, and very Scottish. Yeah, very Scottish, and it's it's absolutely wonderful. And um, that put me in bed pretty much from August till November. Mm-hmm. Um, just socializing and being with people, and the excitement and the fun of being there. Um, so when I came out of that in November, um, I started to be much more conscious, and much more pe- careful about pacing and not doing too much, and just like like in Game of Thrones, you know, not today. It's it's I'm, I'm very firm with myself, and you know. It's okay not to do that. But at the same time, kind of wanting to do more with the garden, feeding ourselves and planning our, our schedule a bit more. So ever since then, I um, I don't set alarms. I sleep when I feel like sleeping. I nap when I feel like napping. Um, and I don't, I stop worrying about it. If I'm awake at night, so be it. You mm-hmm. know, I just, it doesn't matter when I'm awake, whether it's dark or light. And soon it'll be light kind of all day and all night anyway, because we're so far away. Yeah. Um, so I, most days I'll wake up around eight or nine, maybe. Um, Seamus works from home some days because he's an academic, you know, and it's mm-hmm. it's quite nice. Um, and he'll bring me f- uh, he'll bring me tea and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't tend to eat until like eleven or something. I've never been an early breakfaster, um, so I'll have a muffin or, or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then somehow it gets to five and he comes home, and I don't know how the day passes. I sort of poodle, and I've recently got back into knitting again, which I did a lot of um, when I was doing my PhD, and then. Um, didn't really have time for and then last year I didn't really have the coordination for it yeah and this year I'm finally able to do it again so I'm making lots of socks I'm holding them up to you nice um to me that's really mindless knitting yeah and knit the continental way with the yarn in my left hand it's really quick and I only kind of move my wrists like this like Mm -hmm. back and forth and that doesn't hurt my wrists at all so Mm -hmm. I've been I felt really lucky um, that that hasn't made things work, and I can do it lying down. Mm-hmm. So um, I do that, and I've recently discovered over the last few months that formulaic, boring old television works really well. So things like 
um, Shim and I have been watching um, Next Generation and Voyager together because nice. nothing happens but loads happen. Yes. Um, it's all the same people in a self-contained set. Um, and I kind of talk about the same things all the time. That's been great. Yeah. And last few weeks, I've been watching Baywatch. I know it's ridiculous. <laughs> but it's exactly the same thing. It's the beach and nothing happens. And, you know, the long, slow running sequences, they're yeah. kind of the right speed for my brain. Yeah. So I watch an episode and I knit a bit and that's really nice. Yeah. And I can do that lying down. And at the moment I'm able to do that. And that's really, I feel really happy about that. And yeah, really... it's working. And then I might, yeah, it's working. I might go pootle into the garden, um, not between 11 and 3 because I don't deal well with heat. I mean, we don't get heat, but that's to me, that, that, like that's like the height what... of the sun, kind of. Yeah, like 18 degrees and I'm just kind of like, Ah, no more. Um, yeah. But I might do a little bit of potting up or I might go and talk to the seedlings or sit under a tree for a while. Um, I do pretty much everything sitting on the floor. Mm-hmm. And I have thick den and dungarees that support that. And all our paths are really wide and there's space between the vegetables to sit down and all that kind of stuff. And we've got chickens. They free range in the garden. So I like to sit with them and, mm-hmm. and we have house so I go kind of from pet to pet and um, with several cats as well and one of them in particular Penny who's sitting just behind the computer um, <laughs> being beautiful um, the cat um, she spent a lot of time with me since I got sick she comes to see me every day um, without fail and she sits on me and I've kind of started sleeping when Penny sleeps or when Penny's sitting on me, it's time to rest. Mm-hmm. And that actually works really well. Yeah, so that sounds it's nice. So weird way, get a cat and stick to their schedule. <laughs> Oddly worked for me. And um, the Dalmatian is really sleepy as well. She's like a greyhound and she spends most of her time under my duvet, mm-hmm. snuggled up next to me. So when Lulu's asleep, I know it's time to kind of sit down and stuff. Yeah. So I kind of do do little bits at a time when I can, but I spend a lot of time doing nothing and I'm not quite sure how the time passes mm-hmm. and then um Seamus tends to get home around maybe six half six when he's away at work um and he works about 20 minutes away so it's not very far and then um on the good days um we make dinner together and um feed the dogs and maybe go into the garden have a cup of tea out there and just kind of look at things and you know chat and stuff like that so I tend to save up all my my chat energy for when he's home and mm-hmm. that's really um and um, we always eat in bed. We've always, we're all, we've always been eat on the sofa people because yeah. we both grew up in households where that wasn't done. <laughs> <laughs> As an adult, I've really enjoyed eating on the sofa and in bed um, like, like a heathen. Um, so now we eat in bed and it actually, it's really nice. And um, we'll watch an episode of boring television together. And yeah, it's been, I feel like, those are nice days and I really enjoy them and I try and most days I'll do a little bit of internet tinkering so I'll do Instagramming and I'll talk to people there mm-hmm. um, next week we're actually off to visit a couple of people I've met through Instagram which is really nice down yeah. um, and I'll post about the plants and um, just post little tips and tricks and s- snippets on you know how, how to how to grow spinach and things like that and yeah. like that's really fun and I want to do more with that so planning some workshops or maybe um i'm thinking about airbnb experiences and stuff Mm, like that mm -hmm. Um, like for tourists to come and spend an afternoon digging in the dirt i think that'd be really good fun in scotland you know yeah Uh, and um 
I try not to have appointments or visitors more than once a week. So that's that's my new rule. Once a week, you, you're it this week, and that that's kind of it. This week's been mad because we've had dentists and visitors, and we're going away next week, and it's it's all going to pass. Yeah. Uh, so I might spend the next few months just going. Uh, yeah, recovering again. Totally, but it's it's unpredictable, and I've stopped being afraid of a relapse. I think. Mm-hmm. Maybe not the best thing. Maybe I should be more afraid of it. But then, like, you gotta live as well, you know, when you can. So yeah. I'm kind of trying to make the most of the time and circumstances I've got while I can. Mm-hmm. And the garden's really become I'm I'm looking at it as we speak and I can I don't know if I can turn you around you can kind of I see lots see of green. Lots of green. It's like it's right there. Um all the cherries are in blossom, apple yes. blossom. That's pretty beautiful. We're only a couple of miles from the sea and I've barely been to the beach. I don't really leave the house very much. I don't drive anymore. Mm-hmm. I have a bus pass, but I, I don't trust myself to use the bus by myself. Yeah. So ever so often we, we, we go on the coastal path with the dogs and I, you know, get about ten meters in or something like that. Yeah. Um but I find I'm very grateful that we live in a place that we love surrounded by people that we get on with and quiet neighbors Mm -hmm. uh, with greenery to look at and I got window bird feeders that I can see from my bed and it's the delightful thing in the world I love my bird feeder we're out of normal seed right now but it's amazing there's so much activity it's so it's great yeah yeah and it's just sitting there and I think being ill has really taught me patience Mm mm-hmm and I don't really get bored, even though I do nothing. Mm-hmm. And I'm really good at just kind of staring into space and thinking happy thoughts or angry thoughts or just, you know. Yeah, whatever they might like, be that day. Yeah. Which I guess, like, for an academic, isn't that unusual? Like, you know, <laughs> thinking is what we do. But it gets, there's no time for that in the in the day-to-day grind of, of being an academic in the modern university. Like, it's all admin Mm-hmm. admin teaching meetings like you're constantly doing things um so actually having time to think about who I want to be and what I want to do and what makes me happy yeah it's really nice yeah and so in some ways um James and I often talk about how yes it's horrible and I'd rather not have this and I'd rather be normal in inverted commas whatever that is yeah. yeah but in so many ways it's weirdly made me happy mm-hmm. having an excuse to to get out of the rat race um i would have never quit academia if it hadn't been for this because i worked so damn hard to get there and you're yeah. just so pre-programmed not to do it um so be, 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 being allowed to be a kept woman at home with vegetables yeah um it's both horrible and wonderful at the same time but it's taken a lot of um thinking and emotional work me to accept that that's okay yeah yeah to not contribute well back to that you know yeah yeah back to the politics of how relationships work and yeah, yeah that's it and I'm also very lucky that like I I I have a, a partner with a a job where we can live off one income where we're lucky to have this space you know so that all all these kind of things were in place before I got ill um I don't know how people do it when they're on their own. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just, you know. Yeah. And yeah. something, so, something 
that kind of comes has come up for me as I'm doing these interviews that I'm always amazed by is it's like whatever people's circumstances are almost whatever is letting them survive people are always like I'm really lucky because (laughs) and it's like I'm lucky because my family or I'm lucky because my partner or I'm lucky because I qualified for benefits early or Mm, it's mm. like we're all doing this thing of trying to figure out how to survive when the typical path is not available and like yeah people figure it out it's yeah hard that that, that that is so true and there's this whole other big rant about how i wish we lived in a society that cared for its people mm-hmm. there's um yeah, there's now um noise about the possibility of a new independence referendum here in scotland okay um which we're thrilled and excited about because um um we're green voters because you know we we only got one planet like that's kind of it yeah um but the um the, the independence movement the sort of cross-party stuff is sort of for, for me that's the most hopeful thing that that's that's come about and um social security benefits stuff is in the process of being devolved to 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 the scottish government rather than the british one and the british process is really really horrible um they 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 lie and turn you down for everything and um I'm hoping that the the Scottish version will be a lot more human and from the noises they've made it sounds like it's going to be um it's going to be be better it's still I I think of them as a fairly centrist government and party but there's so much more lefty than anything else going on so it's uh there, there there's hope that we'll live in a better place that's nicer to its people Mm-hmm. The, the the good kind of socialism i think one day would be very good um there's a wonderful quote that um i think it's an alistair gray quote that came up at the last referendum in, in 2014 a lot and it's it's something like um imagine you're living imagine you live in the early days of a better nation i think there's so much hope in that and so much cheeriness we've still got one of the yeah i could see it the posters up there you know that's one of the vote yes uh, strong female figures and yeah, there's something about living in Scotland that's, to me, is very different from from definitely from living in England, um, where Shim and I have both lived. Living in Germany, where I grew up, it's a it's a more hopeful place, and particularly in the Highlands, it's a it's a nice, friendly society. People are good, and almost everyone I talk to locally has a chronic illness, knows someone who has something like this, has stuff going on in their life. Um, this is just how it is, and. People mm-hmm. still help each other and stuff, which is mm-hmm. don't necessarily get everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so there, there's no there's no benefit money, but people are nice. Which yeah, I think is where I'm going. It's also so important. It is, yeah. And like politically, it's an exciting time at the moment. It's horrifying, and with all the you know Brexit horribleness. Um But it's also exciting. This you know, if it kicks off. The kind of place that looks after all its people, then that's a really wonderful thing to be part of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I always end up ranting about this. Kind no, of stuff. no, it's good. It's I, th- I think that the like cultural component is so important to think about because something that can be really hard is even just like imagining what a world would look like, an accommodating world would look mm-hmm. like with chronic illness, because the accommodations are so much more. 
mm-hmm. kind of random. Like we, ta- you talk about the switchboard yeah. and the symptoms, and it's like, well, what would totally. I want an accommodation yes. to look like? How yes, would this I culture can... support me? Yeah, I know. I can't. I can't think of. I can't think of a way in which I could have even a part-time job, anything, um, where I'd be able to work reliably. Yeah every week or something like that and there's nothing the employer can do to help me do that at all um so something yeah there's nothing really that that does that so i think self-employment or charity stuff or Mm -hmm. um community work or whatever is kind of yeah the way it's going you know that's but that's really good and rewarding just be nice if there was a bit of money in it yeah and that's the like <laughs> cultural component of yeah it. totally totally i think yeah. about that a lot with like the the concept of universal basic income even mm-hmm. i know. know i know it's one wonderful <laughs> but, um, the, the the idea of not singling people out for what is wrong with them whether mm-hmm. that's you know be, be being disabled or um not having a job or like whatever you know, at the moment, it's all about what, what, why are you not normal? Yeah. Like you have to prove in some way that you are. Um, if we just assume that everyone was worthy of housing and food and, you yeah. know. Yeah. And God, what a novel concept. I mean, it's. Yeah. It's that? And like everyone, I, I think everyone wants a purpose and like a theme that comes up so much is yeah. like, I want to contribute and yes. okay, we yeah. can talk about capitalism, but let's not for a second. <laughs> but like, you know, like I want, if I have to rest 22 hours a day, I want those other two hours to be meaningful, whatever that means. Yeah, and like yeah. creating a system where that's possible is it kind yeah. of stretches yeah. the imagination, but I think it's necessary, especially because we have technology now. Like, we don't all need to work, whatever. Okay. I can go on a long rant about that, too. But but you can't not rant about capitalism. (laughs) Um, Like, it's just there's there's no way around it. Everything comes back to it, you know. Capitalism's bad. It's just (laughs) it's never worked, and it's never going to work. It's hurting people. it's It's hurting people, and it's just the rich get richer, and the poor die out and that's kind of it you know it's really where we are um um you know as a good 18th centurist a scottish 18th centurist um i've read my fair share of adam smith and that kind of stuff and yeah it wasn't really a good idea then uh, it's certainly <laughs> it's a good idea now <laughs> so yeah let's think of ways of doing society differently and it's 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 both a shame and a blessing, I think, that it takes it takes life going wrong in some way, or your path changing, and whether that's um, illness or like divorce or whatever you know stuff is big big thing happening, mm-hmm. um, to make people realize that that's that that's a possibility, you know, and that each and every one of us can make a difference, mm-hmm. and sometimes that's by going out and being activists. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's just by leading a quiet example and talking to your neighbors about what mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. You know, and I feel like we we all have a social duty to to do that in our own way. Mm-hmm. And that can be very quiet or very loud or you know, it's just by 
not 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 even by what we do, but by how we live ourselves, um, and the the principles that guide us. Mm-hmm. You know that kind of. Sorry, this has become really sort of. No, I'm into it. Philosophical thing. I wasn't really, but it's, it's always <laughs> on my mind. Um, it's always on my mind. Seamus has just um, started a blog and is teaching and researching lots of stuff to do with the Highlands and Empire and the legacies of empire and the sugar trade and all that kind of thing, and the ways in which um, hip hop and black radical politics and thought. Um, can help us think about the Highlands as a space as well and as a way of um, dealing with, um, you know, land use and um, the, the, the past and the eradication of Gallic culture and all that kind of stuff. And there's loads of interesting events going on and stuff like that. So this is in my day-to-day life. This sort of comes up all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, really, it's really very exciting. And we look around us and pretty much all Victorian public buildings here, beautiful, you know, stone buildings, schools, the old hospital, the town hall, um, we're all built with sugar money, mm-hmm. all plantation money. And um, how society is going to deal with that, how the schools are going to deal with that, how we teach the next generation about that is a, it's a very interesting way because you don't really think of the Highlands as a, the space of empire and and slave trade but it really it really is so um we're talking a lot about um the the outlander effect and what how that changes who we think we are you know and that kind of stuff but it's related to these kind of broader uh, discussions Mm -hmm. capitalism bad that's kind of yeah well like how do we how do we yeah. yeah ethically yeah. exist in a that's right it's, it's exactly that how, how, how we do that in a, in a very local context here but with a link to the the wider world and wherever you are and whatever your circumstances i think um one of the things that chronic illness gives you i think is time and that's not always a good thing because then you're left with time to think about all the horrible stuff and all the awfulness and all the the worrying but there's also time to think about who you want to be i suppose it's a in some ways it's a chance to reinvent yourself not necessarily physically because you might not be able to um but at least in you know sort of the things you think about and how you think about them and for me that's been really welcoming Mm -hmm. i'm really glad that i've had the the opportunity to to have time to think i suppose really yeah and really be, be able to think these through things through more in in a way that I never really quite had time to to do properly because you get caught up in the day to day. Yeah, yeah. There's this piece that you're saying now, and you were talking about it a bit earlier about like there is something to it that sure would one prefer that this hadn't happened. Like yes, probably, but. Yeah. But like there, there can be a process of making peace with it and finding opportunity in mm-hmm. it, and and genuinely yeah. creating, um, a level of kind of satisfaction and balance. And I think the flip yeah. side of that is that it's, it can be really hard to explain that to other people who are like, yes. who want to sympathize all the time. Yes. And you're yeah. like, okay, please don't project your misery yeah. onto me. I understand why yeah. you think my life might be miserable. And yes. I want you to understand that, like, 
yeah, okay, I, I can keep seeing doctors and I can keep looking for ways to improve my baseline. But I also, I want, I want to be a piece. I, yeah. I'd like to yeah. be awake 14 hours a day like most people are. I think most people are actually like longer <laughs> than that. I'd like to be, <laughs> you know, like. This is 14, that's still like. <laughs> I know. I know. It it sounds like a really long time to be fully functional. And also, I think it's still less time. I have no idea anymore. <laughs> I, I really like this concept of usable hours in a day mm-hmm. um, to explain bo- both to tell myself off for feeling useless, but also to explain to other people how they're this. So, you know, mm-hmm. um, regular people might have 12, 14 reg- useful hours where they can do stuff just all day long, different mm-hmm. things without having to rest. And we have maybe one or two or six or like whatever your 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 yeah. level is. Yeah. And it you, might be unpredictable. Yeah, totally. And one day it's like none. Yeah. yeah. You know, that is yeah. But um and I find sometimes I find the um the the sympathy comments of you know, the oh I'm so sorry things are so awful, it must be so hard and God I can't imagine being in pain all the time. Um really well meant things like really nice things and I know why people say them. I find them almost as difficult to deal with as the whole oh you you're looking well today how are you, f- <laughs> are you feeling better yeah yeah yes it's over now <laughs> yeah and I started sort of calling people out on this and they never realized that we hear them not how they mean it yeah you know um, yeah. That's not what I meant. Well, that's what you said, though, and you know, yeah, that's yeah, yeah it's quite, it's 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 interesting what you get annoyed at now that you wouldn't have gotten annoyed at before in whatever before there was, you know. Yeah. But the things that, and sometimes that really takes you by surprise, like, and it's a sort of visceral reaction of. Yeah, you didn't realize you're gonna have until someone says kind of the 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 wrong well-meaning thing and yeah like you think that you're calling me strong and i'm hearing that you don't think my life is worth living like oh i would never have known that five years ago or whatever like there's a nice picture um of me holding a chicken and we both look really happy because we're in the garden having a lovely time and you know responses are Oh, you both look so happy and healthy. Well, the chicken does because she was a rescue and now she has more feather. <laughs> there is a progression. Yeah. But yeah. I'm just wearing a hat and I'm smiling. Like, you know. Um, yeah. Yes. And like you think the, that the... I've also gotten those. It's like you think that because I am smiling and in the sunlight or possibly like have showered and put on makeup once every uh-huh. four months yeah. or something. Like, yeah. That doesn't tell you anything about me. And I'm, I'm, no. I'm glad that you think that my life is working for me right now, maybe is the message. But like, yeah, I think it's, it's generally meant as a I'm, I'm I'm so glad you that you seem to be doing OK. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm glad you're not bad, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's kind of, and it's one of those things that's I think the hardest to explain to muggles that like that does not mean what you think it means. Yeah, and, and it depends you know, all the ballast that comes with it. Yeah, because like it's often not worth explaining depending on the person. But when it's like oh, <laughs> close fam- family members or people yeah, where it comes yeah, up yeah. over and over again, it's like okay, 
I really need you to stop for a minute. I hear what you're trying to say. I need you to pause and imagine the other things you're communicating. It's like you can yes. have this conversation so many times. Yeah. But yeah. it comes with the territory. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Oh. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's the stuff. Yeah. Um, well. I mean, look, look, look at us having this conversation for like an hour, almost an hour and a half, like like normal people and looking, you know, smiley and things yeah. like that. Yeah. But he, he knows how we'll be in an hour or tomorrow or next week or the bits that no one sees. Yeah. And the crash after uh, it. Like yeah, most people, I assume, it. sleep immediately after these interviews. Yes, I, I would imagine. And um, one of the things, so this is so one more point of this kind of ilk is um, that because I'm a cheery person as is Seamus it's in our nature it's how we it's how we are um mm-hmm. we always laugh always making jokes and we're good at big words because we've been trying to be good at big words like right mm-hmm. um I think it means doctors take us less seriously and not in the whole um I feel threatened by you having read up on this that's a different thing altogether but the you're happy and you're making jokes it can't be that bad yeah and it's very hard not to be like that and not to do that for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's part of the like the pain management stuff. I think um, a lot of them kind of look at you. If you're smiling, you can't be that bad. Yeah. You know, yeah. so there's a kind of serious point to, to all of these as well. And of course, they don't see you when you're in a crash because you're too unwell to go see them. Yeah, you and, wouldn't be there. Yeah, so I've often thought about recording footage and taking it and saying, look, this this is what happens but mm-hmm. i'm not sure it's worth it i'm not sure there's much they could do i, um, I forget yeah. now who did that somebody specifically was like i started taking videos of myself when i literally couldn't get off the floor to show my practitioners mm. gosh that's gonna bug me i don't think it was <laughs> in uh through the shadowlands have you read that book um no I super recommend it because I love it. It's about she, Julie Raymeyer, who I interviewed, actually. She'll be episode 25, which will have been released already when this comes out. But um, <laughs> she has ME and also uh, mold sensitivity. So it's like mm. really triggered by mold. Mm. Um, and what one of hers is that she's like, she'll kind of suddenly experience something like paralysis. And so mm. she started taking videos of herself walking because yeah. half the time it's fine and half the time this is happening. Probably mm. not that ratio, but anyway. Um, but there's somebody else. Now this is going to bug me. Sorry, everyone listening who's like, <laughs> that was a dead end. But people talk about that when the, the symptoms are so yeah. fleeting. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, was, I, was, I really enjoyed that. Was it Selma Blair interview recently um, where, you know, it wasn't, it was in a period when she wasn't very well and there was all the speech stuff going on and the physical things and um for folks to actually be able to see that is it's a really mm-hmm. it's, it's a really really good thing but then when you're in a crush like that you're not well enough to film it you're yeah. not well enough to actually record it and think about yeah posterity in that kind of way so yeah and something that like that is also hard about it is I, i'm gonna say vanity like Selma yeah. Blair and yeah. Selma Blair at the Oscars too, which I think was yeah. right, that interview was right after. It's like, man, that's right. Yeah. If there's somebody who would bathe me and dress me and like mm-hmm. the other stuff that's gross about it, mm-hmm. I'm just like, when yeah. I'm in a flare, I'm I haven't showered, I'm in my pajamas, like 
All this mm-hmm. other stuff where apparently I didn't know because I didn't think that I was like vain or uncomfortable, <laughs> but like, I don't want to, I don't want, I wanted to record when I was having really bad problems with my mobility. I was like, it would be helpful for myself to have like taken a, you know, 30 seconds mm-hmm. every day to watch how that changes. But like, I don't want yeah. that on video because of my disgusting yeah. pajamas or whatever it is, like <laughs> silly and things. Then, like, why do you feel the need to have to record that? You know, yeah. is that that as well? Yeah, the like, um, proof thing. Yeah, exactly. So, so we're back to the, you know, it's it's real if you say it's real. Like, mm-hmm. why 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 do we have to? As a society, why is there this emphasis on evidencing thing rather than believing testimony? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know if that's the right kind of concept, but right. Yeah, no, I hear that though. What's you know. Why, why do we believe data but not people's stories? Mm-hmm. And whatever context that is, you know? Yeah. That, that's, yes. that's another political one. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I'm, yeah. I'm on board. Yeah. Oh, the, the other thing, sorry, I was going to say this earlier. The, the other thing that I found um, makes a big difference to my comfort level, I suppose. And one is my, my frog hot water bottle. Um, I have him. Heat, heat is the only thing that kind of helps and makes feel good. Um, we also bought one of those inflatable hot tubs, which I know are kind of the the, the most capitalist nonsense you can you can fall for. But it's like your own little hydrotherapy thing, and it's actually made a massive, massive difference to my well-being, mm-hmm. um, as well as a, a big freestanding bath that I can get in and out of myself. It's just that's been really good. Um, but I wear. Um, cotton leggings and long sleeve cotton shirts mm-hmm. with some stretch in it um, all day every day and I found a kind of sports bra that really works mm-hmm. and I wear them all day long um, I sleep in them I'm awake in them and I can't tell they're there and they don't bother me at all mm-hmm. and I now go out in them and all the rest of it um, and I get that you know people want to dress nice and look pretty and you know enjoy clothes and all the rest and I do too Um but to allow yourself to put comfort first is quite a quite a good lesson, I think. To yeah, to to anyone just kind of I suppose starting on their their chronic illness journey, maybe it's it, it, it it's okay to 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 be in pajamas all day. Yeah, you, you don't have to prove that to anyone, and yeah, there's nothing wrong with you if you are. You know, it's it's not a moral failing. Or but yeah. there's all these kind of. Um, unexamined assumptions, I suppose, around how, how to be an adult or how to be grown up that mm-hmm. I think we, we need to turn on, on their head. And, yeah. Yeah. Like all of these, you know, it, it, it's it's okay to do, do what makes you comfortable and happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what <laughs> what an idea. And that, yeah. I know. It's such a, such yeah. a well, novel concept, but... The idea of getting dressed is like, is, I mean, like you say, it's like, because I think about it when I, in my old life, I guess, I <laughs> wore wired bras, which are typical, right? Like most bras have an yeah, underwire yeah, and yeah. some people hate them. And I was like, whoa, I don't mind. I've never been uncomfortable in an underwire mm. bra. So when people talk about like, oh, the first thing I do when I get home is take off my bra. I was always like, yeah. okay, that's cool. But like, not for me. And then when yeah. I got to a point where I was like, spending all of my time lying down so moving yeah. between the bed and the couch or whatever yeah. it's like underwires are very uncomfortable if you're not vertical because all, yes. all of a sudden they're like in a weird place yeah. and so similarly I was like okay it's it's time to find another solution because yes. I want something that I can lie down in 
like, and I got deep into um, no wire bras, but like something that mm-hmm. I can lie down in, but that I can also leave the house yeah. in because if I just yeah. don't wear one, then I have to find one to leave. Just like stupid stuff that can take up so much yeah. mental real estate. Like, totally, totally. I, fi- I found um, how to deal with periods is another one when you can't really get up very much. Um, and um, I'm now I'm now experimenting this month um, with the period pants things mm-hmm, yeah. and they are working exceptionally well I'm very pleased and they yeah. feel decent and I've not yet leaked which is yeah. very nice and I totally want to tell the internet that yeah um, no, I support you talk about these things because no one yeah. does you know and um, I've tried a few different brands and I found the the Wooka I don't know if that's how you say it W-U-K-A are the ones that um, have sort of the biggest area biggest cover area okay which is when you like it's um because i spend all day lying down yeah the products designed for people who are upright or sitting at a desk don't right. work because right stuff, gravity yeah gravity works differently um so they actually work really well because their area they're designed differently yeah and somehow it really works but it's taken me ages to kind of think about how to make that bit better yeah and i'm so pleased i found that now so i i now want to i want to tell everyone about it and, and i'm about it. on board but that's suddenly like huh mm-hmm. that, that's that's less unpleasant than it was last month so yeah that's kind of a yeah a good thing and it's just kind of little things and how they're designed and stuff that yeah. weirdly makes them more useful for me than other brands or yeah. pads or that's a great tip honestly sorry (laughs) no no I'm into it like I I have um a couple pairs of thinks which I feel like was the first big one and then I haven't done any new research and part of it of course is it's like it's a big upfront cost and so you're like I want to get my money's worth blah 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 but also and like I have a a diva cup anyway I don't need a hand gesture for that but um (laughs) but like (laughs) compared to tampons where you're worried about toxic shock syndrome like leaking is a concern of course but also you're supposed I think eight hours is the longest that you're supposed to that you can leave a tampon in safely and you're like oh god I regularly do not go anywhere for 12 hours at a time because I'm sleeping or I'm whatever like that's that's not something I want to throw into the mix yeah I'm really squicked out by blood it's one of those things that really ooh Mm -hmm. uh, um so cups are I, I can't go there because then you have to physically look oh, at them yeah. and handle it. And it's just, it's ah, I just, I just can't do that. But you also have to be, you know, well enough to get up and change it. And it's one of those, like, kind of, I'd like to not have to ask other people to help with that if I possibly yeah. can. That's so fair. The, 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 the weird granny pants have really actually yeah. made my life so much better. And it's particularly, I was looking at the things online and I think their lining is slightly lower than this this other brand that mm-hmm. I was looking at and it's the it's, it's the it's the higher rise at the front and the back that makes lying around in them yeah totally doable and yeah. doesn't matter if I'm lying down for 12 hours it's still okay yeah and that's yeah that's so I thought great. that was maybe a point worth making in a yeah this kind of setting uh, and definitely. in all the there's loads of sort of talk of like period poverty and all the there's loads of good work being done on you know the cups and all the reusable stuff and the impact on the environment mm-hmm. and making things available for for girls in schools and all the rest of it. But I've not really come across 
stuff like that in relation to chronic illness things. Um, it's maybe because I'm not looking in the right places. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe because I just it just hasn't crossed my radar. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought there's a things are different for folks who spend their time lying down. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought I should say it because no one else was. Yeah, maybe I'm... everyone else is, and I just haven't. No, I'm glad you it. did. I don't. I don't think that component like that definitely hasn't been on my radar and oh. I mean it's on my radar personally but I mean as a thing yeah. you know as a yeah as a point and of discussion periods are, periods are horrible for everyone and it's yeah. sort of an acknowledged time of feeling shit so yeah yeah the other stuff about it <laughs> about being like oh I'm chronically ill and all of a sudden this yeah. regular debilitating pain is amping up all of my other pain yeah. there, there yeah. are many other things and like yeah. how do hormones work and I've talked to a couple people now with mm. different gynecological issues mm. But like, yeah, that is a logistic feature that people must have all kinds of personal solutions to that we're not talking yeah. about very much because of taboo. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that that's that's what it is. And you know, sex and things like that as well. I'm not gonna. <laughs> I think we've 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 had enough. But yeah, yeah, finding ways of making that work for you. So if you've got very lim- limited energy, like, what what do you do physically? Like, where do you go and yeah. how do you prop yourself up and things like that yeah and you know so yeah. yeah those kind of things I feel like we should be talking about yeah um but I, I feel like that's a whole other interesting podcast of you know the the, yeah. the, 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 the bees and the birds yeah yeah no I think because I've seen people talk about that slightly more yeah. especially because yeah. like sex and disability in general is something that people talk mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. but like yeah I like context I used to run a storytelling event in Toronto where I used to live um called stories we don't tell and so the whole point was that you like talk Mm -hmm. about things that you're not normally that you don't normally share and um I still go back sometimes I don't live in Toronto anymore and and this past year the one that I went back that's specifically what I talked about was sex and chronic illness yeah because it was like here's the thing like I got married and then at the same Mm -hmm. time I became a person who couldn't sit with my head unsupported for more than a minute yeah. or two yeah. and like you know sex is really different if your head needs to be supported yeah. all the yeah. time yeah. or like one of my symptoms sometimes is that my skin hurts to the touch mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. sex is really different if you don't want anyone to touch your skin for example or just intimacy is yeah. really different um, or if movement makes you dizzy yeah like any kind of thing like that yeah, totally, yeah. yeah. and so I think like it, this kind of goes along with the caretaking mm-hmm. thing Yes. Too of like, oh, we have to redefine the way that our relationships work. And it doesn't mean that there's no mm-hmm. intimacy in the relationship, yeah, but it yeah. means that probably whatever my 18 year old or 21 year old self thought <laughs> that marriage was going to be like, um, was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> like did, did not have all the information. Um, or even cause for me, like my worst flare was right after our wedding. And one of my friends, I didn't hear from for a while and I wasn't communicating cause I wasn't communicating. Mm-hmm. And eventually mm-hmm. I was like, hey, I'm really sick and would love some company or some support. And she was like, I thought you guys were just going through a honeymoon period. I was like, (laughs) definitely not. Definitely not what's happening right now, but intriguing. Yeah. 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 So. so. Interesting. Mm. That's it. That's That's the stuff. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not quite sure how we got here, but I'm glad we did. Yeah. No, me too. I'm glad we've covered so many things. Um, and awesome, like, because the sociocultural, I love people's stories, but I also think it's really important to put words to that because it 
mm-hmm. makes it easier for us all to talk about it when it can be hard to parse out without mm. cognitive clarity sometimes. I agree, um, yeah. Is yeah. there anything that has been on your mind that we haven't covered <laughs> that you can think of right now? And it's okay if the answer is no. Um, n- n- nothing I can think of the, the top of my head. I don't think so. Okay, we've I think been we've all over, so that's... Yeah, I think we've... <laughs> We've gone everywhere. I'm tired now. Yeah, I bet. Thank yeah. you. You've, I mean, this has been a full <laughs> hour and a half. Sorry. So thank a full you. Hour and a half after dentist at lunchtime. So that is a brave yes. day. It's a good day. <laughs> thank you for listening to episode 33 of No End in Sight. You can find Mari on Twitter at Highland Seeds and on Instagram at Highland Seedlings. Plus, you can learn all about her garden, her workshops, and seedlings over at highlandseedlings.com. I just said seedlings a lot. You can find this show on Instagram at no.n.in.site.pod. I'm still a little slow on posts because I'm still behind on transcripts, but that will pick up again once those pick up again, which should be soon. And you can find me on both Instagram and Twitter at B. Next week, I'll be talking to a woman with functional neurological disorder, so make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've been enjoying the show, I would be so grateful if you could share a review on Apple Podcasts so that other people know what to expect. As usual, don't forget that I have a small Facebook group called Chronic Hustlers for people living with chronic conditions who are self-employed. It's quiet but growing, and you'll even find a few podcast guests in the group. And finally... This podcast is supported by my cross-stitch company, Digital Artisanal. When I'm up for it, I make simple modern patterns that you'll actually want to hang in your home. I love to cross-stitch as a way to feel productive during flares when I'm stranded in front of the television. One of these days, I'm going to get to work on some new spring and summer patterns, but I'd love it if you checked us out at digitalartisanal.com. Thanks for listening.